Welcome to Genesis Life Center. Our vision statement is every destiny has a beginning. We are a ministry called to encourage and inspire the body of Christ to use their gifts and talents to do work of the ministry wherever they are called to. Our mission is to provide individuals with the tools to become agents of change and messengers of God. Our motto is you are not an accident waiting to happen, but a destiny being fulfilled. Our pastors are Ben and Dee Adekubi. We are here in person and online. Just look up Genesis Life Center and join in every Sunday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. understand that I'm breaking in this beautiful new platform this morning. Exciting, exciting moment for me. Pastor D, you got a good looking congregation here. Yeah, you, I, I'm over in the corner, I could only see a few of them, but now that I'm up here, I'm seeing just how good looking these people are. Yeah, my Lord, this is what the angels see from up here, right here. Beautiful, beautiful congregation. I preach in some churches with some pretty ugly people. So this is just a blessing for me to be here with you lovely people. Pastor D, just honor you, my sister, and the great leadership you're giving to this house, and, and Apostle Ben, just an honor to be with my dear old friend. I've known Pastor Ben for over a decade, and just, he's beloved. And uh, so thank you. Apostle, thank you, Pastor, for having me very much. What an honor to be here. And as well, I just want to give props to the Bishop and Lady Di, as well as uh, prophetic evangelist Robbie Galbraith down from Edmonton. Great to have you here, Brother Robbie. And uh, for those of you that were at the leadership thing yesterday, you know I'm not a real fancy preacher. I just share my heart, and, and I just... I really believe I have a scripture for you that's very much just in the heart of the Lord and for you today. Uh, that would be Sunday, July 25th. That's today, just in case you weren't clear on that. So I just want to uh, really just share one scripture and a few thoughts from it, and, and I just want to break down the scripture. And by break it down, I just mean explain it or uh, speak an expository message. When I say break it down, I'm not like going to break it down, but I'm just going to share it with you. So, yeah. You guys okay? You okay? You good? Everybody good? Ready to roll with this? I want to share the promise to restore. I have, from the word of the Lord this morning, I have good news and bad news. And it's all found in this, uh, this next verse here. It's uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm not going to do much to develop the context because there's not really much contextually it's going to help you. This was written by the Apostle Peter, uh, shared with the church just to bring life, encouragement, a little bit of correction. And coming towards the end of it, he says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his he eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you, making you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's a beautiful chapter, and if you have time today, it'll take you about 
two and a half, three minutes to read through chapter five. It would take you less than 15 minutes to read the entire epistle. So if you haven't done your devotions yet today and you want to just dig into it a bit, it's just a great, great letter from Peter uh, to the church. And he just starts off talking about the God of all grace. And I'm not going to unpack that for you, but what a beautiful way to describe God. Not the God of judgment, not the God of wrath, but the God of all grace. Not just a little bit of it, but God's got all of it. Let that be an encouragement to you. But I do want to dig into this, the next few words here, and I'll show you the outline uh, real quick of where I want to go this morning, is I just want to talk about three things, very simple outline. I want to talk about the call, the call that we all have, doesn't matter what profession you're in, you're all called. And then there's this little caveat, this little sidebar, little note, and then there's a comprehensive cure, the promise of God to restore his people. And I'll just bring a little cognitive clarification as we wrap up. So this morning's message is brought to you by the letter C and by the number three. Isn't this exciting, Pastor? Brother Ben, I have three points this morning. You know many times when I speak, my messages are pointless. So this is really exciting for me to just have some points, have a little bit of context for you to hang your... And, and you'll also know too, like when I get to number one, we're, we're moving along. Number two... We're almost there. And then by the, by the time we're at number three, you can be texting in your lunch reservation. Like we're getting really close. And thank God that COVID is lifting. It's great to be here in the province of freedom. Thank God that you're leading the nation. I'm, as I mentioned, I'm from uh, Totalitario and things aren't quite as free there, but, but, uh, but we're thankful anyways. Yeah, so... Uh, from the text, we read these words. Let me just read them for you again. The God of all grace, who called you. Who called you. I just want to park it there for just a quick second. Every single person in this room has a calling on their life. And I know we all have a calling to have a destiny, to impact the destiny of others. I love the vision. I love the mission of this house. And I just bless that. But I want to remind you, first and foremost, that you are called. We know that in all things, God works together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we'll come back to this verse a little later on. I just want to touch on it briefly. You're called according to his purpose. You don't have to guess what that calling is because the next verse, Romans 8, 29, says it very clearly. Those he called, he also predestined. Predestined. That doesn't mean he forced you to do it. It means he had a destination, a roadmap for you. Long before the foundations of the earth were laid, he had a destiny for you. Are you ready for this? To be conformed to the image of his son. Poke your neighbor and say, you are clay. Poke your neighbor on the other side and just say, you are clay on the potter's wheel. Nudge that person in front of you and say, he has a destiny to make you look like Jesus. Now turn to the person behind you and say, don't touch me again. <laughs> You've got to keep this stuff in order. Come on. We're recovering from COVID. We can't be totally out of control here. But there's a calling on your life, and I'm not trying to make it all ethereal, all 
mystical, ooh, what is God's calling? He wants you to look like Jesus. That is good news. There is resurrection power in that look. There is a healing touch in that look. There is an ability to overcome sin, to make everything new because of the power and the touch of Jesus Christ. That is exciting, but did I mention it was resurrection power? Everybody wants the resurrection, but there's only one way to get to a resurrection. Remember, I said there's good news and bad news. You got to die to get to a resurrection. Now, you can either go voluntarily or you can go forcibly into the position of death. How many of you have found this? That God wants to bring, again, God disciplines those. He loves. I'm not here to bring a heavy word. I'm not here to bring a word of wrath. But I'm telling you, there is an excitement in my heart because some of you have already been through a lot of it. Some of us come through as gold through the fire and we're looking more like Jesus. Some of us come out of it with a little bit of smoky smell. I know I've come through some of the hard seasons and, and there comes a little cynicism, there comes a little bitterness, there comes a little unforgiveness, there comes a little bit of anger. But that's not God's plan for me. Because I know he has a plan to impart resurrection life. And again, I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I want to be clay in the hands of the potter. Again, if we go back to the the text, this is, this is the bad news part of the verse that we do need to look at because it actually is in the Bible. And don't get me wrong, I'm very much a man of positive confession. I'm believing God is forming me and transforming me. I'm believing that God is doing a work in my heart. But very clearly, you will see it here, I believe in Jesus' name. That I'm called to his eternal glory in Christ. That is to look like Jesus. But then after you've suffered a little while. And again, I'm very positive in my confession. I'm very positive in the things that I say. How many of you know, how many of you, know you get what you ask for? How many of you know that sometimes there's some negative things that come into your life and you didn't ask for them? You're speaking life over your family, but you face tragedies. You face things that you weren't expecting, brokenness. Come on, that's a beautiful piece of photo photographic art here. Come on, tough crowd. It's beautiful right there. This beautiful picture of brokenness, marshmallow bunny. But some of us have faced real anguish, real tension. You know, sometimes I'm believing what Pastor D said, that we are not going to get negative news about our children. But I do know in the past, I have. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. And through those opportunities, again, I have to make choices to forgive, choices to love, choices to bless, and not to curse. And, and this is part of my quandary is, can I suffer the way that Jesus suffered? Am I going to shake my fist at God? Am I going to be angry with the Lord just because I go through dark seasons? Or can I remember that there is a destination for me? That he wants to conform me to the image of his son. Because at the end of the day, that is God's promise. That is his blessing for me. It's not just, 
wave some magic wand and everything comes together in my life. No, but sometimes through the darkness, the things that the enemy wanted to destroy me with, God says, "Mm mm-mm, I can use this for good. I can knock that edge off my boy Mark. I can get that crustiness out of his attitude. I, I can get that worrisome, fretting anxiety out of his head and make him start thinking like Jesus. I'm going to bring him through this so next time he can look back and say, "Uh uh-uh, faithful is he who has called me and he will do it because I've been through the valley of the shadow of the death and I've learned that I don't have to fear evil. But again, it's after I've suffered a little while. Again, I'm not saying God causes the suffering. I'm not saying that's God's will. I believe it's his will to restore and to heal and to make everything new because that's just how he rolls. But then he says, after. Somebody say that word out loud. It's a word of promise. Somebody say, after. After After I've suffered a little while, he himself will restore you. This, again, this is where the news turns beautiful. This is where the death turns to encouragement. And this is where, if you don't mind terribly, I'd like to spend the rest of the message. God's doing something. He's making something in me. He's he's changing me. He's transforming me day after day by the power of his grace and to the praise of his glorious grace. I'll tell you where I get most often hung up. You'll see it here on the next slide if I can get it to roll. Sometimes there's a gap. There's a season between sowing and reaping. Does that help you at all? I mean, I would like it if I could just put my seed in the ground and then the next morning come up and there'd be harvest. But for some reason, it doesn't work out that way, does it? It seems I'll put my seed in the ground, I'll sow in faith. And how many of you know, you you, you got a choice. Like you could take that seed, especially if it's wheat, and you you could dry it, you could grind it up, send it into the grist mill, and eventually grind it up so fine it would be flour. That's food. You could eat it. Or you make the choice to plant it. Same thing. It falls into the ground. It dies. It dries out. The autumn rains come. You got that long winter season where nothing is happening. And then, boom, you get a little bit of a sprout. And sometimes we look at the life in that and we get all excited. We see the the stalk appear, we see the head appear, we say, oh God, thank you, life is coming. And then we start to worry. Like before harvest time, for me, this is where I break down. I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that 11 months ago, 10 months ago, five months ago, three months ago. I should have taken advantage of the moment and just had the food. But we put our seed in the ground, listen to me, as an act of faith, as an expression of I believe something bigger is coming, and the bigger is multiplication. For those of you leaders that were here yesterday, this is the bigger, and it's right before the multiplication comes, you're actually farthest away on the chronological timeline, you're the farthest away from the moment you let go of the seed and let it go into the ground, and you're kind of dreading that. You're thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? The season between sowing and reaping It's getting to me. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been believing for a miracle. 
believing for a miracle at work, believing for a miracle in your family, believing for a physical miracle, believing for a healing, believing for a restoration. And for some of you, that's not just, again, be nice if you prayed last night, you sowed an offering, you, you offered a sacrifice of praise, you did everything right, you walked in purity, you walked in humility, and, and after that great season of trial, the next morning, 10 hours later, you still don't have your harvest. But there's something about, listen to me, there's something about the authority that is gained the further you get away from the sowing time, listen to me, and the time you actually reap. That's what separates the ladies from the little girls. That's what separates the men from the boys, the sheep from the goats, is when you're seeing that gap between sowing and reaping, but you're like, no. No, I've seen this before. It's taken a while before. It's taken, I'm thinking of my friend Scotty, where we've been standing together for years, believing for Jackson, his son, for a breakthrough. He needs a miracle. His son needs a miracle. That's, that's how I know Scotty, just standing together, believing together in prayer for a miracle. But there's an authority that's building in your life because you're not backing down, Scotty. It was the first thing I said this, see him this morning, I'm just juggling, trying to get my stuff back to the computer to load my message. And Scotty says to me, right away, he says, you know, we're still believing for Jackson. What a beautiful confession of faith. I got to ask you, are you going to walk in the spirit of 80s rock and don't stop believing in Jesus' name? Or are you going to just kind of crumple up and die and say, oh, I don't know. It's, it's been a long time. It's been a while. Listen, I know people have been standing for decades for their miracles. I know ladies have been waiting for, waiting for 30, 40 years for their husbands to come to Jesus Christ. My grandfather, in Jesus' name, I'll tell you something, he's filled with the Holy Ghost at Angeles Temple in Los Angeles, California, under Amy Semple McPherson. He had an anointing on his life. He was a teacher. He was a bit of a prophet as well, prophetic teacher. I'll tell you something, he would preach, and he had this anointing for prodigals, and especially prodigal husbands. And he would open up the altars. He was amazing. He could teach on, on, on the altar furniture from the book of Leviticus. Just such a deep teacher. And at the end, he would stand up and say, maybe you're here tonight and for some reason you find yourself in church and maybe your wife's been serving the Lord for decades. Tonight's your night to come home. And guys, hardened, hardened. I didn't just see this once. But many times I saw my grandfather just make a declaration and men would come to the altar broken and weeping because my grandfather just carried this burden. He carried this heart for the lost. And I'll tell you something. We would see people, my dad would say, I've been preaching to that guy for years. Not once has he responded. Hard-hearted, cold, arms crossed, and boom, grandpa would step in, fill the pulpit, and God give his life to Jesus. Again, I don't know who God is going to send for your breakthrough. It might have nothing to do with you. And glory be to God, he might even, because of that, in spite of that, because he wants it to have nothing to do with you, <coughs> he will send somebody. My goodness, could be on the C train. Could be somebody from work. Could be somebody that you didn't even know was a Christian that's going to sow a seed and turn the tide, and that unsaved kid is going to come to Jesus. It, it could be... Just a TV show. Could be something somebody watches online. And that physical healing you've been holding on for for a decade or more. Somebody just says a little prayer on the internet. Boom, you get your breakthrough. 
You don't know how God's going to do it. You don't know when he's going to do it. But I want to encourage you, if you are in the season between sowing and reaping, there is a promise that he is going to restore you. I don't have to look at the whole Bible today. We're just looking at one verse with a little bit of scriptural support. And I'm telling you, he is going to do it. He's the God of promise. He said he would do it. My God, he's going to do it. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. In Jesus' name. After you've suffered a little while, look at it on the screen here. He himself will restore you. <laughs> I don't care what angel he uses. I don't care what messenger he uses. But you need to know in your heart, God himself is going to restore you. If you've been through suffering, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Because his word says that he himself will restore you. I'll tell you something about the bishop. Some of you may not know the bishop. He has been through the ringer time and time again. He is a man of authority because his darkest things got, his difficultest things got. And I know because I would call him on some of those days when it was difficult for me. He would call me on some of those days when things were difficult for him. And we, as we've journeyed through just a terrible season, we can both stand here. But I just want to affirm the bishop on this. He can say, I mean, look at, he went through the rockiest of breakups in a messy season. The same, the same day that his marriage was falling apart, I got in a three-sided car accident. And I've never been the same since. But glory be to God, he has promised he himself is going to restore us. Have you met Lady Die? My God, you want to talk about a blessing. You want to talk about just the favor of the Lord, how she loves and serves the bishop. It's beautiful. Every time I go to his house, I say to myself, sometimes I even say it out loud, how did he get her? No disrespect, bishop. You're a great man of God. But come on, she's out of your league in Jesus' name. And we've had this conversation many times before, so I'm not revealing anything public that is not already abundantly obvious in Jesus' name. But that's what happens when God steps in. He says he himself. He himself. I'll tell you something. When God puts his stamp on it and says, no, this, this is my work. This is my handiwork. This is my doing. You're going to look at it and say, hardship? <laughs> what hardship? Do you see what I have now? Do you see what he's done now? Do you see the increase? Do you see the blessing? He himself did this work in Jesus' name. Wow. He himself will restore you and, and, and allow me a little license here. He's going to make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And I'm going to insert the word stable because firm, stable, very similar words in the English. And they get across the same thing. See, this was written... 2,000 years ago, and the earliest copies that we have of this uh, text were written in the Greek language. And since, um, since I'm not a fluent Greek speaker, but understand the, just the, the wisdom that comes from studying the scripture, um, I, I will kind of mention some of the Greek, some of the root words of this. I'm not going to go into great detail on it, because to be honest with you, it's all Greek to me. But... The promise of the Lord is these three things. He's going to make you strong, stable, and steadfast. Actually, we'll just take a minute and look at it on the next slide. Exactly as that. He's going to make you strong, stable, 
and steadfast. You may look at those words and think, yeah, those are pretty much synonyms. They're saying the same thing. You know, strong, stable, steadfast, very similar words that have to do with just stability, holding it together, strength. It's, they're pretty much the same word, but you don't really get it so much in the English as you do from the original text 2,000 years ago. This promise is even more amazing than you could imagine. I just want to kind of unpack these words one at a time. First of all, the promise of the Lord is he's going to make you strong. Somebody say strong out loud. Beautiful. He's going to make you strong. Let me just show you this on the next one here. The implication there is it's a word that pertains to the mind. He's going to make your mind strong. How many of you know sometimes you come through a hard time? Listen to me. How many know sometimes you come through a hard time and it messes with your head? You know what I'm saying? Your mind kind of gets in a rut. Your mind says, oh no, if, if I'm not careful, this is going to happen again. And even though we know from the word, God says that he's not given us a spirit of fear. We forget about the power, the strength, and the sound mind that he wants to bring us. How many of you know that we fight on many different battlegrounds, but one of the toughest is the battleground for the mind? And the promise of the Lord is he's going to make your brain strong. He's going to restore your mind. Instead of the stinking thinking that, oh, this happened before and it was bad, it's going to happen again. You remind the devil, yeah, this happened before and it was bad, but he brought me through that season. He was faithful to me and I am stronger than ever. My mind is strong. Again, this isn't this isn't just an issue of the chemicals in my mind are throwing me off. My God, I, I understand what it is to face discouragement, depression, even anxiety and, and the hardship of the mind. And along with that, along with the mental health issues, you add in the power of the word. And I'll tell you something, as strong as meds are, as thankful as I am for, for medication that help people with anxiety, frustration, discouragement, depression, all kinds of different mental health disorders. There's something about the power of the word that renews the mind. And this is his promise, is those situations, those heavy times, aren't going to take you out once and for all. But he is restoring. And again, after you've suffered a little while, he himself will restore you and make your mind strong. Oh my God, I'm thankful for that. Let me just, let me just briefly... The, oh man, I was really quick on that in Jesus' name. Let me try that again. Okay, here we are. Okay, I guess those slides just animated in on, all on their own, but let me just read it to you from what's, what's behind there. Just give me a second to read those scriptures. The God himself will restore you, making you strong again. Sterizo, the strength of the mind. And what he's bringing to you again is strength that is both physical but it also implies a tenacity. Again, you see the picture of the eagle and the fox fighting. There's a strength that comes, not just a prophetic strength to see it from the air, but to get down there and fight and claw and scratch, whatever you have to do to mix it up. That's the kind of strength. That's a, an inner strength that comes from the mind. It comes from the heart. And that's what God is promising to restore. Again, deeply rooted, blown by the wind, that you would bend 
and not break. That's what this scripture is talking about. When God says he's going to make you strong, he's giving you the kind of strength that can bend and not break. I want you to get that in your spirit this morning. That is the strength that the Lord brings, the strength to bend and not break. Again, the strength also implies a stubbornness of will, a stubbornness of mind. I'll tell you, again, the enemy likes to remind me of how it went badly that one time. But I love this stubbornness that says, oh, no, not this time, not this game. I love this billboard. This year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness, and someone's taken the liberty of spray painting on graffiti. No, we won't. That's the kind of stubbornness that comes from the Lord. Doesn't take the negative message, listen to me, doesn't take the statistics and say, well, we got to do something. It stands on the truth of the word and says, I know what the stats say. I know what the research says. My God, it was, uh, I guess, seven years ago now. My wife had an infection. It was a Friday night. She was running a fever. I was a little concerned. But then when she just started to talk some serious delirium, things, sentences that didn't make sense, I was like, okay, this isn't just a fever it's high-grade, sustained fever. She's had it on and off all week. I'm going to just take her into Emerge, get her some antibiotics, and then we'll just go home. Because obviously her doctor's office isn't open. Small complication. We're living in Germany at the time. I don't speak any German. I have no German heritage. Here I am going into a German hospital, 7 o'clock in the evening. Within literally minutes of walking through the front door, they have my wife's blood work back, and I don't speak German. But I very clearly understood, as the doctor explained to my wife all these words, different words, medical words that I didn't understand at all, I did hear the word septic. And I stopped the doctor. I said, septic? Like, like septic shock? And the doctor says, yeah, 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 septic shock, yeah. Wow, that's a blood infection. That if you don't get that treated well, easy to die within 24 hours. So I know the prognosis. Good thing we got into the hospital. Because if we just waited till tomorrow, the doctor told me if we had waited till Saturday morning, my wife would have been dead. But how many of you know, <laughs> I don't have one in my corner. I'm in the corner of the one who is the champion who can overcome sin and sickness and death. And I'll tell you something, they didn't know if she'd make it through the night. I left her in the hospital overnight. They said, you just gotta let her sleep. That's the best thing for her. We can't give her pills, we can't give her those antibiotics. We need to put her immediately on an IV. And when I came back early the next morning, there she was, alive. They said, okay, we're gonna continue to treat this thing. It should clear up in 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. Ten days later, she's still running a fever that not even intravenous antibiotics is helping. They put this cocktail of antibiotics, and we said, we're going to pray that this one. We called friends back in Canada that were doing missions work here, and we were doing missions work, so we called back to our friends in Canada and said, pray for us, stand with us. Literally, over a 1,000 people responded on Facebook and Instagram to say, we're praying, we're believing God's going to do this. And literally, overnight, the fever finally broke. And on the 12th day, they let her out of the hospital. 
But the doctor was very clear. He said she's gone septic, she's beat the blood infection, she survived, but statistically, it'll happen again in the next three to six months. Half the people that get it die. Of the half that survive, more than half of them will get it again in six months and more than half of them will die. But the six months came and went and at a year, the doctor said, you know, it's a miracle the septic hasn't recurred. That her immune system is gradually rebuilding. There's lots of side effects. Long story short, in the next five years, half the people that have had septicemia, they will die. They'll get it again and they'll die. But after five years, my wife still didn't have it. Now after eight years, she still hasn't had the infection recur. She's a walking miracle. Again, we know what the statistics say, but how many of you know God is stronger? How many of you remember this teaching from, I guess it was the 90s or the early 2000s, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Yes, God is bigger than the boogeyman, and he's watching out for you and me. Come on, that's a little good veggie tales theology in Jesus' name. I tell you, when he promises he's going to work it out, he's going to bring you back stronger than you've ever been. Not just strong, but stable. I love this word, stable. It's a word that talks about stability of the soul. Not just mentally stable, but there's a little shift here in the thought, the implications of the Greek word, which is sthenao. Did you hear that? It's an S and then a TH. And my mouth's a little dry, but sthenao. Meaning stability, but it's an inner soulish stability. This is a beautiful work that God wants to do to make us stable. A stability of the soul. It's deep. It's about emotional intelligence. We touched on this briefly with the leaders yesterday. Sometimes you get people 60, 70, 80 years old, and when things don't go their way, even though they're 60 or 70 or 80 on the outside, and the inside, they're two. You remember the terrible twos? No, I don't want to. That's mine. That's emotional immaturity. My way or the highway. I know we're foster parents. That's actually our major uh, job right now. My wife and I, we fostered four kids this past year. Two of them went home this spring. We still have two kids. One of them, in Jesus' name, is a two-year-old. And many times I have to say to her, literally, get thee behind me. I'll tell you something, when that, she's a beautiful little thing. I mean, if you saw her, you'd say, oh, she's an angel sent from heaven. And I would say, maybe not that kind of angel, maybe not sent from heaven. She's beautiful, she's lovely, and when she's sweet, oh my Lord. But I'll tell you something, if you're, if you're a little late on getting her lunch, my Lord, my God, she gets hangry. And I'll tell you, if she's missing her nap at all, oh my goodness, the wicked witch of the West starts to come out of her in Jesus' name. We have to rebuke it. We have to bind it up. Like, we're doing everything we can to get through this girl's terrible twos. And what I'm, all I'm saying is, that's kind of par for the course. She's two. 
Her emotional intelligence hasn't developed yet, and when things don't go her way, she has a hissy fit, she has a temper tantrum. It's not really very becoming on her. All the more on someone who's been serving Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years, or they have a mature looking body, maybe they got some gray hair, gray, gray hairs in their beard, and old enough to know better. But I'll tell you something, a lot of people, they go through the same kind of problems over and over again because they still haven't built the emotional intelligence. You know what I'm talking about? That ability to trust God in your soul, that inner quiet, that even though things aren't going their way, even though you might be a little grumbly on the surface, deep down you know it's going to be okay. You know that God's going to work it out. And this is his promise. After you've suffered a little while, I don't want you to think that's just going to be a night or a couple days or a weekend or even a month or a year because with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So when the Lord says, after you've suffered a little while, you have an opportunity to either get it right and go with the flow of what the Lord is leading you into or kicking against the goads. You remember the Apostle Paul? He's on the Damascus Road, gets knocked off his high horse, gets blinded by the light. That was actually a Bruce Springsteen quote. And he decides, is it going to go one way or the other? Is he going to go into the desert? Is he going to go to a place and study and seek the scripture and meet with God? Or is he just going to be angry? Oh, the Lord knocked me off my horse. How can you say you're God and you knock me off my horse and then you blind me? Aren't you thankful that the apostle opened up his spirit and learned? He had known the scripture his whole life. He learned, but listen to me, he re-learned. He was teachable. God, through the midst of this difficulty, God himself stepped in after he had suffered a little while, and the change was so deep, he was changed forever. He even changed his name, the stability of soul. Not just a strength of mind, but a stability of soul. Not just the confession, not just the words that you see up there on the surface, but the meaning, the thinking, his feelings. He learned to bring those under control. His values and his beliefs began to change. He saw him move from just being a God of law, the God of Judaism, the God of right and wrong, the God of wrath, to a place where Paul became a friend of God. Oh, come on. How many of you want that friendship with God? How many of you want to move out of religion into a place of deep understanding and wisdom where God has made you truly strong and stable of soul and one more here. He actually wants to make you steadfast. Let's look at this last one. After you've suffered a little while, he's going to restore you. He's going to make you strong, stable, and steadfast. That word for steadfast, hold on, let me just look that up for you real quick. Femaliao. This suggests... A stability. This is actually an architecture word, a word that a contractor or a builder would use. Unshakable steadfastness. Again, you're going deep with the foundation. This is the promise of God. You go through these dark times, you go through these heavy times, 
God himself is promising that he's going to make you steadfast. He's going to make you unshakable, not unstable. He's going to make you unshakable. And I'm not one here standing as some kind of super minister who always has my stuff together, always has my ducks in a row. I'm just a regular guy. And when I, when I say I'm just a regular guy, I don't mean like as opposed to constipated. I mean like I'm just a normal dude. I'm, I'm seeing that through the power of his spirit, though, I can be grounded, I can be founded, I can be established. That's not something I'm doing on my own. That, that is the stability of the Lord. And again, he goes right deep, deep down. He's building a fortress under me, around me. And through me, that's the kind of work God is doing. He's, he's actually building something in me that is bigger and stronger, something that is more, I refer this word, stalwart, something that is honorable. He's taken me from just being a common peasant, commoner, into being nobility. Again, the stability of generations. Maybe you're here and you've only been saved a few weeks, a few months, a few years. Maybe you come out of real darkness or a real rough background or whatever, drugs, alcohol, addiction, or abuse, or violence. I, I don't know what your, what your background is. But listen, even through, the, even through the sound of my word today, the sound of my voice, whether you're watching live or online or something pre-recorded, I just declare on to you a transgenerational steadfastness. Listen, as a man who's come out of generations of Pentecostal ministers and before that Methodist ministers and before that Baptist ministers and before that Quakers who honored God, literally generations and generations, I just release onto you today steadfastness, grounding, a founding, an establishment royalty in Jesus' name. I remind you today, you are adopted by the king. My God, that is powerful. I want you to see this as I wrapped up. I, I just want to bring a bit of cognitive clarification. That is to say, I want this to be absolutely clear in your mind. I don't know if you've ever taken time to do this. And again, as those that are spirit-filled believers, many of you are from charismatic or Pentecostal traditions, it's not like us to say negative things. How are you doing? Oh, good. Praise the Lord, brother. I'm doing well. I'm blessed and highly flavored in Jesus' name. I'm all dressed and highly flavored, just walking in the fullness of God. And no one's probably ever talked to you about a theology of suffering. Okay, you're very rarely going to hear me. I don't even think this is negative. I'm just trying to be real. But I just want you to see from Scripture. I've, I've done my own research on this. I see suffering, the word suffer, 150 times in scripture. I see prospering 84 times. So if you're against the prosperity message, give your head a shake. It's in the scripture 84 times with all the other offshoots, literally hundreds of times prosperity is mentioned in scripture. How many of you know God wants you to prosper even as your soul prospers? Come on, he does want you to prosper. How are you going to get there? Yeah! <laughs> Suffering. I know it sucks, but it's real. And again, I know this might sound like a negative confession. 
didn't start with me, started with Jesus. He says, woe to the world because of offenses, because offenses have to come. Even in John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So again, I want to I confess positive things over my life, but I don't want to be so positive that when difficulties come, I have a nervous breakdown because it's messing with my theology. Balanced theology says, yes, I recognize offenses must come. In this world, I'm going to have trouble. But I don't know if you get this graphic here. Do you know what that graphic is? That's a change of heart. That's what that is right there. I don't want to be thinking my way that everything's got to be rosy 100% of the time. I'm believing for it. I'm declaring it. I, I, you got to understand, my wife and I, every morning, every night, we agree together. We bind up the demonic. We speak blessing on our home, our vehicle, our finances. We, we declare health and everything. We do it every morning, every night. We plead the blood of Jesus, and we rebuke and bind up the demonic. That's just, that's just our prayer of agreement as a couple. And yet, stuff happens. Because God wants to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. And I thank him that he's breaking stuff off of me. I don't stand here the same man I was a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. There's a brokenness, a beauty of brokenness in my heart as I've been through difficult times. And I'm looking around this room, and I, I, some, a couple of you, I know your stories, but most of you, I just sense it, just the heaviness, the battle that you've been through and the journey that you've been on. My Lord, my God, it's a wonder a lot of us aren't alcoholics or drug addicts or just turned around, because I can sense the heaviness. But I just want to leave this with you in Jesus' name. The declaration of the psalmist who said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord, and because the Lord is at my right hand, I will never be shaken. <laughs> I just want to decree and declare over you today, whatever it is that you have been through, whatever darkness you have faced, whatever circumstance has, had, has tried to suck the life out of you, that he has a plan for you that after you've suffered for just a little while, the Father himself is restoring you, he has restored you, and he is about to continue to bring restoration to you. He's going to make you strong in your mind. He's going to make you stable in your soul so that you are steadfast and immovable. And lastly, you're going to be unshakable. If you're not already, you're going to be. You're not just anchored to the rock. My God, you are wrapped around the rock. He is the center of your existence, the center of your life, the center of your soul. He's making something. I've already said it twice. I'm going to say it a third time. What the enemy has meant for evil, God means it for good. My God, get the word of God into your spirit today. COVID could not take you down. My God, a thousand might fall at your right, 10,000 at your left. It's not coming near you in Jesus' name. He's protecting you. You're one who walks through the fire 
This is the promise of the Lord to his kids. You're going to come through the fire and not even have a bit of smell of smoke on you. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I break off every demonic lie that would come against your kids. I declare them in Jesus' name, steadfast and immovable. I declare because the Lord is at my right hand, none of us will ever be shaken. And I thank you, God, that we are called into the image of Christ. I thank you that even though we've suffered a little while, you're doing a work. I speak it loose today, the work of restoration. I speak new strength, new stability, new steadfastness in Jesus' name. I speak to souls. I speak to minds. I speak to the architecture of our faith in Jesus' name. We're not moving in Jesus' name. We are not backing down. Thank you for joining our online church. To connect with us, please go to our website, genesislifecenter.com. Please follow us on social media. On Facebook, you can find us under Genesis Life Center. On YouTube, you can find us under Genesis Life Center 01. On Instagram, Genesis Life Center. And on Twitter, Genesis Life Cent. Thank you.